Welcome to Musicals with Impact, a podcast that is part of the Broadway Refocus Project, exploring Broadway's past with the goal to reshape its future. In each episode, we learn about a new and innovative musical that encompasses BIPOC, transgender, queer, women, disabled, and other underrepresented voices. We celebrate a culture-shifting musical as it begins its journey to the Broadway stage. Musicals with Impact is developed in partnership with New York Theatre Barn, a not-for-profit theater company that incubates original musicals that tell untold stories, produced by Fashion Consort and part of the FC Podcast Network. And now, your host, Spencer Williams, musical theater educator, composer, and playwright. For today's episode, Broadway Refocus is excited to welcome Chiang Ung, the writer and composer of the beautiful new musical Eastbound. This is a new bilingual musical about the unexpected meeting of two brothers from opposite sides of the world, their quest for survival and the power of choice. Told through the soundscape of a contemporary score fused with traditional Chinese folk music and mando pop, Eastbound is performed in English and Mandarin. In this podcast, we dive into why representation is so important to writer Chiang, how he began as a musical theater writer, and we get to hear the lead character's I Want song, How to Say Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the first season of Musicals with Impact. We have one final episode coming your way about the new historical musical at Buffalo. You can learn more about the Broadway Refocus project and curriculum on the Broadway Refocused website. Please share with your family and friends so that we can continue these powerful stories and conversations that uplift new voices for Broadway. And now, this week's episode. Hey, all you true crime fans. This is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morf. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. We've all seen the headlines in the news of how someone lost their life in an act of cold-blooded murder. And while it's sad and grabs your attention, most people go on with their day without giving it another thought. But have you ever stopped to think about the life of the person at the center of the news story? They were more than just a headline or a statistic. They were someone's loved one or friend. I'm Mike Morford, and my podcast, The Murder of My Family, dives into some of those stories to help listeners get to know the person who was lost and how their death affected those closest to them. Listen to The Murder of My Family everywhere you listen to podcasts. There are well over 100 episodes to binge on now. Welcome back to Musicals with Impact. Today we have Chiang Ung, the writer and composer to the new musical Eastbound. Welcome. Hi, Spencer. Hi, everyone who's listening. So happy to have you. So this is great. You're coming from New York City, right? Yes, I am. In Well, not in quarantine, but I hardly ever go out. And yes, I live in New York. So, yeah. I was first introduced to your show at the National Alliance for Musical Theater Festival of New Musicals. Now... This past year's festival was obviously remote and digital, but I loved your 20-minute presentation that I just felt like I had to talk to you. You had such a unique 
voice and story. Eastbound is a new bilingual musical about the unexpected meeting of two brothers from opposite sides of the world and is performed in English and Mandarin. So how were you inspired to tell this story of Eastbound? Wow. I was not inspired to tell this story. I just like stumbled into writing it, honestly. Eastbound is a show, it's, it's my very first musical. And I started writing it with my collaborator, Kion Hersey, about five years ago. And Kion and I met in uh, college. We went to Berkeley together and Berkeley College of Music. And at the time when we graduated, we stayed in touch. And then in 2015, I just brought him this project. I said, you know, there's this show that's kind of been sitting on my computer for a few months, a musical theater factory is interested in doing 15 minutes of it. Do you want to just write this with me and see where it goes? And that's kind of where it started because for the longest time, musical theater has felt like something that didn't allow me to exist in that space a little bit. I am a queer Asian immigrant actor and I, you know, given the current Asian canon in musical theater, a pop Asian singer really didn't have much of a place in there. And so I was like, I'm gonna write something for myself. So that's what we started with and it evolved beyond that because the story is so universal. It's been a journey these past five years and, and we're just so excited to see what's next. That's amazing. I, I love that it just kind of kind of happened organically a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your background. So you mentioned that you're an immigrant, but also you lived in Singapore, but you wrote a show in Mandarin. Give us give us some of those details that we're missing. <laughs> so I, yeah, I was born and raised in Singapore and Singapore, uh, you're usually effectively bilingual. So I would study English and Mandarin Chinese growing up. My grandparents on both my mom and my dad's side were both from China, from a province called Fujian. And yeah, I mean, Chinese heritage has always been a part of my family and coming to America that was always like a, a huge culture shock. I came to America almost 10 years ago. This will be my 10th year and that shift in culture, that shift in who you are and just like where do you stand in a sea of people that don't look like you and how do you find home in this new world really? It's kind of I mean, when you talk about like what inspired me to write the show, I mean, it kind of stems from that. It kind of stems from me struggling with my identity, my queerness and my place in America that like kind of prompted me to write the show so that the show is very personal in a way. Elements of each character comes from my experience as well as my collaborator, Kion's experience. And it's kind of like the clash of cultures because Kion is African-American and he, you know, was born and raised in America. Like, so it's kind of like how someone who is coming in fresh, <laughs> kind of fresh off the boat meets the American culture. And what does that mean? Yeah. You mentioned this, like that you didn't have anything in the musical theater canon that really spoke to you or that was in your voice. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that experience is like in your own voice around that? Sure. My agent would usually submit me for the typical Asian shows, which are The King and I, Miss Saigon, I did Millie as well. Anything goes, but I'm not a tapper, so that doesn't really work. And that's kind of it. I mean, you get Flower Drum Song, but no one really like produces that anymore. And then you get the more recent show, which is Allegiance. And that's kind of it, right? Like that's all kind of the musical theater canon right now that exists. 
And that's insane because Asian people are basically the majority in the world, although we're a minority in America, like we're 5.6, I think, or the number might have grown to 6.2 or something like that. It's like around that ballpark and it's growing, right? Like it's expanding, it is growing. And yet there are no stories that tell about the Asian experience or the Asian American experience today, like today. Like they're all looked upon through a white lens most of them are looked upon through a white lens, including The King and I, Miss Saigon, Flower Drum Song, the writers, the creative teams. I mean, I could go on, honestly, because they're talking about doing a King and I uh, movie, revival, whatever, remake thing. And I'm going to just say it right here. Nobody needs to see it. Nobody needs to remake The King and I. It existed. was good. For its time, we can move on from here. Like, we can absolutely move on from here. And yes, please quote me on everything. <laughs> I feel very strongly about this. And and it, uh, that's why I asked. Yeah, and, and, and the canon in itself has more traditional singing that, you know, it's more classical. You don't really get contemporary stylings or, you know, anything that's geared more towards the pop music style. So... And that's kind of where I come from. I come from the world of Mando pop. So, you know, how I sing. I mean, yes, I can sing classically, but it's not how I enjoy singing. And so, yeah, as a writer, I just, I mean, at the time when I started writing Eastbound, I didn't think I was a writer. But when I started writing, it was like, well, since these don't exist, I'm gonna do my thing. That's kind of like my thought process on it. And apparently... It's kind of good and it kept getting support. So we were like, all right, I guess we're going to keep doing this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, tell us a little bit about how you've infused some of that passion and like that storytelling into Eastbound because I can feel it. I, I know the listeners would be able to hear it. And I, I, I'm, I'm with you on all of those things. There isn't really anything out there in the canon that speaks to anyone with Asian American descent. Like the, like you mentioned those shows, but do they really, you know, not really. So <laughs> tell me a little I mean, bit more about like how you've infused that into Eastbound. Yeah. I, I think Eastbound just comes from a really personal place. So the story follows two protagonists, which is also kind of crazy because it's my first show and I'm writing a show with dual protagonists. What a stupid thing to do. It's so hard. Like, it's so hard. But it just it just happened to evolve and the story wanted to take us there. So it follows the story of Calvin and Yun, who are biological brothers, but they've never met in real life because Calvin was given up for adoption in America. So he was raised in America while Yun was raised in China, knowing full well that Yun knows that Calvin possibly exists, but never has never come in contact with them and never attempted to look for them because where would you start, really? And a lot of the elements of the stories of each of the characters, like Calvin is going through cancer, and I'm sure everybody has, in one form or another, come in contact with cancer. And that was, well, when we were starting to write the show, we started with Calvin. And at the time, my aunt was going through stage four liver cancer and it just like happened so quickly and it just like took her so quickly like I didn't even get a chance to say goodbye like I wasn't even back home you know and that kind of prompted you know why are we here on this earth and what do we do and how does someone who lives with you know cancer how how do they live like that was something that I was so curious about while we started writing 
So Calvin's character kind of revolves around that. And because he has leukemia, he needs to look for a bone marrow donor. So he travels to China to look for a blood relative, you know, in order to save himself. But also it's more than that. It's kind of it delves into the complexities of identity, finding out like who you are because you grew up with a white mother in, you know, America, really, where you don't really get the opportunity to connect with your roots. And, and kind of this is an opportunity for Calvin to go back and connect with his roots. And what, is, what does that mean, you know, to Calvin as an Asian American? And on the flip side, Yun's story is basically very much my story where he was born and raised in Fujian, China. I mean, I'm born and raised in Singapore, but you can draw parallels. And, and he is gay, but he doesn't talk about it. You know, he's not out to his family. He's fully married to a wife. He doesn't tell his mother about it. I mean, I don't, I'm not married, but I fully thought that that would be my life. Like I would be married to a woman and we would have children and, you know, that would be kind of what it would be. You know, I'm glad that is not the situation. I'm glad that has shifted and I'm glad I'm here. But, you know, what is that journey like for someone who is, there's so much responsibility to your family. There's so much responsibility to tradition and, you know, the idea of family. What is family? Especially to an Asian person, especially to a Chinese person, family is everything. And so, you know, faced with that struggle, he comes to America to um, study medicine. I mean, to do research actually on leukemia. I don't know if that's a spoiler, but so whatever. It's kind of like to continue that research and how does he deal with his gay identity coming to America? I mean, it's a lot. This story is like packed to the brim. It's like Fun Home meets Next to Normal meets Dear Evan Hansen. It's like fully packed, but also like it is packed, but very digestible and it's not overwhelming in any way because we really try to root the story in the characters. And it's a chamber musical, six people only. And we tell a big ass story with just these six people. It's, it's kind of incredible. So I'm very proud of the work that we've done, especially in this past year, honestly. I mean, that was kind of when you were explaining all of that. I was like, damn, that's packed with like so many different things. But then when you really are thinking about it, that is everyone's life. Right? That is because life. That's the thing. That oh my God. I, I love that you said that because like life is not linear. Life is not like one. Like Life is, it's all these like crazy ass shit thrown at you and you kind of have to figure out your own path, right? Like what is your life going to be like, you know, and who are you despite all your struggles and all your pain and and I feel like the story, the biggest thing, and, and, and through this year that we're writing, I, in my life, in my philosophy in life, and also in the writing that I do for not just this show, but Maya as well, like other shows that I'm writing, like, I keep saying, like, what is the joy? What is, find the joy in these characters. Like, you know, if everything is so depressing, how are they living their lives? That's not possible, you know? Like, there is joy in every moment. There is joy in everything that you do. And... A lot of these characters' wants and wishes and dreams are rooted in that joy. I think that's so important, especially now in the middle of a pandemic, like trying to find the joy. But mm -hmm. I think the thing that I'm hearing is it's not just 
life is not about just one story or one problem that we have to overcome. And like a lot of heroes journey, right, is like just that one thing. And so it's really interesting to hear all the intersectionality around being queer, being Asian, being American, like immigrating, like all of these moments that that is part of what real life is. And so like, as you're telling me the story and I'm hearing it, it sounds rooted actual reality. And so it's like even more exciting because not only are you telling something that's based in now and but then you're also using your experience to tell an Asian American experience of now. And I think mm -hmm. that's just so exciting. Thank you. I'm very, I'm very proud of our show, honestly. I, I think the thing that we've worked on in the past five years, the biggest thing that we've worked on in the past five years is making sure that all these elements of given circumstances don't feel overwhelming because it just provides a three-dimensionality to these people and these people are real people like your friend could be Calvin and your friend could be Yun. It's not something that is out of reality. Sometimes people are like theater is meant for you to run away and escape from me. I'm like, no, come and live in like actual reality, but like feel the catharsis of these people fighting and really overcoming in their own way. Each of these characters have their own struggles and they overcome it in their own way. Maybe it's not the perfect way, you know, maybe it's not like the perfect ending or like the perfect, or the, the, the thing that they thought was gonna happen or the thing that they thought was gonna, you know, materialize. But that's also kind of life. And Eastbound, I feel for me, captures this like very specific moment of my life. It really helped me come out to my parents, which I thought I would never do, ever. But it happened and, and it felt so cathartic and so I, there's just like real life consequences to the story and people, I think people right now are ready to hear a story like that because, you know, we're, I get it. I get the whole commerciality of Broadway. I get that it's a business. I get all of that. But if you find stories that are special and as real and honest, I think it's like a strange loop. It's like honest. You know, is it perfect? No, I'm, I'll be the first one to say it, but do I love it? Yes, absolutely. Because it's raw and it's beautiful. And I mean, I, I just can remember the moment the show ended, I just like cried because I've never seen, you know, seven black bodies on stage, seven queer black bodies on stage. And in that moment, I was like, yeah, that that's catharsis right there. And I feel when people and, and we've done a lot of readings for eastbound just you know 29 hour readings with like stands and stuff and maybe mildly staged a lot with new york theater barn actually so thank you joe and new york theater barn and every time an audience when they leave they they tell me you know they come up and, and talk to me and you know there are adoptees who come up and say oh i i think i really want to know where i come from now you know before they're they're fearful of how that might make their parents feel and and we kind of delve into that too because you know like what is that relationship like what what does calvin's mother struggle with you know having adopted an asian son while she's white and and then there are immigrants like chinese immigrants who come up to me and say like thank you for telling a story that really represents me coming into america like not knowing what is happening and just being completely just different and and experiencing something completely different and to see that captured on stage it's it it really matters it really 
matters. Like they say representation and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it really matters because these are real people's stories, you know? So. I think it matters for a lot of different reasons. It matters for our personal reasons. I think it matters because we need some empathy, you know, mm -hmm. in a lot of different ways. And it just, I know that my, that saying might be trite or we hear it quite often or sometimes flippantly, but I do think representation on the stage matters. I'm just saying like, co like <sighs> violence against Asian Americans have risen 1900%. That's insane. First of all, 1900%. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, I mean, I'm really good at math, but that's a very, very, very big number. Like, since COVID happened, you know, like, it's, it's so important for us to find the ways that make us similar, than find the differences that separate us. I think there is more that unites us as people even though we come from different backgrounds, even though we believe in different things, there is more value in the unity of, you know, people than the division of people. So, yeah, I think that also, that really comes with, you know, what works get produced, what is being talked about. Yeah, all of that matters. I feel like I want to pause that, like, for a second and let people think about that. Because... Theater and art can have that opportunity to bring people together. But if the gatekeepers and the producers and Broadway doesn't believe that this type of uh, representation or different stories or people or unheard voices should be heard, it's not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Thank you for stating that. I, I think it's so important. And I think like just the awareness around that experience I have the privilege that I don't have to worry about that as a white person. Sharing that is really important for people to hear. It's not just a number, it's an experience. Mm -hmm. Switching gears a little bit, but I tell us a little bit about the development process. I mentioned the awesome presentation at NAMPT this past fall, but tell us a little bit more of where you're at, what the experience was with that, and then if there's any new opportunities that have come because of that experience. Yeah, so Eastbound, like I said, has been in development for five years. We really started a musical theater factory. So thank you, MTF. We did, you know, basically their whole pipeline of like four by 15s and residencies and stuff. And and then we also did a lot of development with New York Theater Barn because Joe Barros really believed in the project. And and thank you. So thank you as well, Joe. And last year, well, not last year now, 2019, we got the opportunity to go to the Village Theater to do their Festival of New Musicals, where we met Desdemona Chang, who is our director now. And there's something completely magical in that moment when we met and worked, because we were really just like, it was just an opportunity for the Village to work with Desdemona, for us to just like experience new thoughts, new eyes on the project. And Desdemona is a director that is a dramaturgical, like she's a director dramaturg. Like she asks these questions. And first of all, because she's Taiwanese American, like she understands these very intricate things that I don't have to explain, right? Like how Asian people behave or like how a mother, like an Asian mother would behave in a circumstance like that. What is the most truthful thing that they will do or, you know, 
talking about Yun and, and, and how Yun interact with an American if if it were, you know, his first time in America or if this was like his second year in America, like whatever. So there was like a lot of unspoken things that just really helped. And through the process, she just kept pushing and asking questions about how to make this more grounded and more rooted and more authentic. And I mean, having worked with Desdemona since, so we did the festival in August of 2019. So we really worked with Desdemona for about a year and a half now. And I would like right now, the draft is incredible. Like I, I'm not like tooting my own horn, but all the issues that we had, all the questions that we had, you know, the little arcs that we wanted to follow with each of the six characters, like how do we answer these questions? And you know, we cut so many songs. I'm writing so many new songs. The new, the opening at NAMT was literally written for NAMT. And I was actually so proud because I was like, that was the first time we heard it ever. No one has ever sung it. So, the, the you know, like the actors were just doing it virtually all blind. But that has always been my dream to rewrite that opening to bring in the world of China, like bring in China and bring in America and, and bring in Calvin's music and juxtapose it against Yun's music and what is similar about them, what is different about them. Like all that felt so exciting to explore as a writer. And and a lot of that was, you know, was Desdemona. And she was like, go do that. Like go try. And she was she was always supportive in any decision that we made. And we would just try it. And if it failed, we knew it failed, you know? Like, I don't know. Like any scene that you see in Eastbound, at least has eight versions or 10 versions of it, like in the scene in itself, you know? And I, yeah, so so Village happened and then we got to do, we were supposed to do Adirondack Theater Festival in the summer to do a development production, but because of COVID it didn't happen. But we're thankful for NAMT because NAMT is the first time I got to hear the three songs being presented orchestrated, first of all. I have to give huge shout outs to James Nathan Hopkins, who I've known for a long time because I've known his wife for 16 years and we we met, I think, right out of college and stuff. And he's amazing. He's really smart and he understands my musical language. So the collaboration was just so seamless. Like he he knew parts of the score like he knows the score right and so like hearing you know elements of the score being brought to life with like a fully orchestrated sound palette of like east meets west that was just ugh, like i loved it and so namt was really helpful and then I'm, i don't think i can disclose what we're up to next okay. but we have some really exciting things that are going to happen but we just don't know when it's going to happen because you know covid but we're we're really excited we're really looking forward to it and i think yeah i just i just can't wait for people to actually experience it with like sets and costumes and the multitude of storytelling that just elevates it from a stage reading you know and also for us to yes. understand like how do we go from china to america in a minute i don't know i don't know the answer to that question because we have not done it but that's something that yeah. we're excited about so yeah that's really cool. For our listeners who are tracking, we brought the team of Half the Sky, who does Demona, also is the director on mm -hmm. that. So that's really, that was really fun to connect some dots. She's really a star. Sky. Like, just everybody, whoever's looking for a director, give Desdemona work because she is incredible. 
just shout out. I definitely want to share out some of the music with our listeners. So can you prep us a little bit with the song that you've chosen? Sure. So uh, the song that you're about to hear is Calvin's I Want Song, which is How to Say Goodbye. And <laughs> fun fact, out of all the rewrites that we've done in five years, this is the only song with its melody intact. The lyrics have changed like multitudes of times, but because... You know how every time people hear the song, they're like, "This is a bop." So we're like, "Okay, okay, we're gonna we're gonna keep it," and, and it's right bef- right after Calvin finds out that the chemo didn't work, and he has leukemia again, like a stage four, and so yeah, he he's just com- talking to his mom Caroline about what it really means and what he really wants to do and how he wants to conquer this and, and fight this. So yeah, this is how to say goodbye. I've never been good at goodbyes It's gotten worse since I got the news But I can't let your fear keep me from living And in the end, it's what I choose I want to find joy in the simple things And at the same time, explore the world I want to climb Mount Everest, the Eiffel Tower Spend every hour like it's my last To say that I'm lost is an understatement To say that I'm scared isn't something new To sit down and cry is pointless I don't know how to change my point of Say goodbye. 
That is a total bop. <laughs> and I also included that like little transition where we're like gonna travel to China because I was like, well, if this show is about you know East meets West, I mean Calvin's song clearly doesn't have the Eastern elements to it, but we do tr we do transition into you know it segs into the next song that that does. But I just wanted to like include that in there. <laughs> no, I'm glad you did because it it's you could you could instantly hear that you were traveling inside <laughs> of all of that. Yeah. That was fun. Eastbound. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Yeah. And I can totally, now that we've talked, like I can hear pop sound, but still grounded in your reality and your world. It's your own voice inside of that. You can hear it. I don't know. It just made more sense to me after talking to you about some of those those things. And so. Yeah. And also having Zachary Noah Pizer sing the song really helps. <laughs> he sounds so good. <laughs> I'm excited to hear more and I'm excited uh, to see what's next for you all. Can you tell us a little bit about how we can follow the journey? Sure. Well, I'm not very good at this, but you can follow <laughs> me on Instagram, Facebook. I don't really use Twitter. Uh, TikTok. I just started TikTok. You can find me at Chiang Music, so C-H-E-E-Y-A-N-G, music on all of the platforms. I'm the most active on Instagram, and I do post updates on Eastbound on my website, so that's Chiang.com, C-H-E-E-Y-A-N-G.com. I should have an Eastbound website, but child, we're just, we're just busy at the moment. So we're just going to maintain one website. Because there's just there's just a lot, and on my website you can find uh, more information about all my other projects, including another musical that I'm writing called Maya, that is about 1930s India and the independence movement, and also I also do a podcast which I keep putting off, but the first season is out. It's called East Side Story, and you can also find that on my website. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that, and you do like. I understand updating websites is like the last thing you want to do as a creative person, but yeah, at the same point, you want to get it out there. Totally. Well, thank you so much for being with us today and talking about your show and opening up and sharing all of that. It was so fascinating to hear and I'm so excited to hear what's next and I hope that you can send me an email once that's out or what, <laughs> so that we so we know how we will be able to see it in the future. That sounds good. Thanks, Spencer, for having me. This was very fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Musicals with Impact on Broadway Refocused, produced by Fashion Consort and part of the FC Podcast Network. If you like what you hear, please remember to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. To learn more about the Broadway Refocus Project and its musical theater curriculum, please visit broadwayrefocus.com. You can also join the conversation on Instagram or LinkedIn at Broadway Refocused. Thank you to Trevor List, who developed our graphic design, Iranian-American actor Rod Cyrus for their voiceover work, and Spencer Powell for our theme music. Stay tuned for our next episode. <laughs>